how could you hate on some naked fire jumping, you know? Greetings and salutations and welcome to Hacker Slash. If you're joining us again, welcome back. You have come of your own free will to the appointed place. The game is over. If this is your first time listening, welcome to the party. We are a horror movie review podcast dedicated to telling you whether a movie is a hack, a total joke, a waste of time, or a slash. Totally killer, pun intended. We believe horror is for everyone, and as such, we're rating these movies with the perspective we've all gained from our varying walks of life and the flavors of fear we fancy most. My name is Chris. I'm your friendly neighborhood slasher enthusiast. This week, I'm joined by the gore lover, Alexis. Hey, everyone. The cowardly creeper, Ryan. Hiya. And the scream queen, Paris. Phallic symbol, phallic symbol. It's a two-for-one special this week as we compare an iconic 70s mystery to its infamous early 2000s remake. Before we get down to business, though, we have some follow-up. We recently reviewed a movie called Insidious here on the podcast. Uh, And to be honest, everyone, I am bad. I still have not watched this. It's okay. It's the the hope in your heart to watch it one day that matters. I do. It is definitely my intent to at one point watch it. We wanted to hear how our listeners felt about it. And truly, it did very well. Only 14% gave it a hack and 86% gave it a slash. But we have a comment from one of our listeners, and the comments are really where you find out what's going on. Uh, Marshall on Twitter said, I really enjoyed how this movie starts off by giving you a heart attack. Insidious! The full body workout without having to move is a nice bonus. Every muscle was tense for basically two hours. I knew the jump scares were coming, but they still got me quite a few times. Total slash. This will definitely be my summer bout workout, I guess. I'll just watch the entire <laughs> We also have some comments from our friends on Instagram. Lance said this movie was creepy as fuck. Brian said it was hands down one of the scariest movies ever. While Aaron said it freaked me out for the entire night and I couldn't sleep. While Manny said a really good film that I've seen multiple times. Uh, so there's a lot of love for this movie out there. Um, I promise I will watch this at some point. And we actually have another comment from one of our patrons, Brittany R. Hey, Brittany. She said, great episode. Insidious is a slash for me, but to be honest, Darth Maul Demon makes it a softer slash because he truly looks ridiculous. The drawing Elise makes is far more terrifying than the reality. I highly encourage watching the next three movies in this franchise as they really complete the story and delve deeper into the true all-star and gem of the film, Lin Shay. They explore some deeper themes and are so enjoyable in my opinion. I agree with Alexis and do love these characters. As an exhausted mom, Rose Byrne definitely does a fabulous job in her role. So relatable. Another favorite scene for me is in their new home with the dancing demon boy. Great jump scare when he pops out, and such ominous music. As a dance instructor, I gotta appreciate every random dancing moment. Yeah, that little boy, especially when you see him in one scene and then like through a window. I mean, it was just, it was a great, it was a great scene Mm -hmm. and creepy as what? Dance like only the demons are watching. Now that we know that Brittany R. is a dance instructor, I have to find out if she's seen Suspiria, either the original or the remake, because that's probably a whole other perspective watching it. And that is our follow-up. Many moons ago in episode 102, we broke down Ari Aster's Midsommar, a film that lived at the intersection of a young woman's trauma and a village celebrating one of their longest traditions. And what we didn't discuss in that episode, however, were the parallels it had to a 1973 film Aster took great inspiration from. A film that has been described as the Citizen Kane of horror movies and was one of the earliest films to make its audiences afraid of what happens in broad daylight. Both the original film and its successor find an officer of the law traveling to a remote island in an attempt to locate a missing girl. The plots thicken, however, when he learns many of the residents claim no such girl exists. And the deeper he digs into the ongoings of the island, the more that seems to be amiss. 
Now, despite having a script with dialogue that is largely identical to its predecessor, the 2006 remake brings a different twist to the characters and even the island itself. Ultimately, though, it proved to be a box office failure after only managing to gross $39 million after costing $40 million to produce. Oh, no. This week, we're talking about both incarnations of The Wicker Man. Who had seen either of these before? Y'all know who I am as a person. I've never seen these, but also I never heard of The Wicker Man, either old or new. I've seen the 2006 version for sure. Actually, like a few times. It's been it's been a while since I watched it, but definitely not the 1973. Yeah, I had only heard of the remake. Uh, I remember it being advertised when it came out. Since then, I think we can say some things have gone viral and I've been made aware of it, the movie through that. Um, but I did not know it was a remake, so I had no idea that was a thing that we'd be doing this week. Oh, for sure. I actually hadn't seen either of these movies before, and I have heard quite a bit about the original over the years. I've seen stills of the Wicker Man himself, but I didn't know anything about the plot going into it. One of the folks I served with, named Mel, gave our Midsommar episode a listen, and he said he was surprised that we hadn't mentioned anything about the obvious parallels there. Yeah. Now, I originally thought it was because out of the three of us, myself, Paris, and Alexis, none of us had seen it. So I'm actually really surprised to know that Alexis watched the 2006 version. Yeah, it was. I know we were talking about that earlier. I was like, how did I miss this? Because as soon as I put this on, I was just like, oh, it's Midsommar. Like, what? <laughs> yeah. 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 I feel like we need to redo our originality segment from the Midsommar episode and <laughs> come correct this time. My bad. Perhaps we can make up for lost time and lost knowledge later in this episode. Now, we're going to get to those parallels a little bit later, but in terms of expectations, I was really expecting the original to be great and the remake to be total trash. Uh, Because that's all I've ever heard of it, right? I've heard it's unintentionally funny, largely because Nicolas Cage is so over the top and overacts. Really, all I had to go on was this natural conclusion that the original would be absolutely amazing and the remake would just leave this bad taste in my mouth. But what were you folks expecting? I didn't really have much to expect going in because I had never even heard of them. I was just looking at the images in the TV app when I was searching for them and I was like, why is Nicolas Cage in a scary movie? First off, I don't know. I don't know why that stands out to me as inappropriate. <laughs> um, and then in the first, you get an image with um, some masks and stuff. And I was like, what are we, what are we going in for here? And I can tell you, no matter what I would have expected going in, I never would have expected what we get out of these movies. It both as a whole, as two separate units, it's just all unexpected (laughs) yeah i think i was in a wild ride for the um original one i wasn't expecting um seeing as i saw the remake i was like okay well i wonder if you know the remake was shot for shot so i was interested to see that but you know it's so funny i know we're going to talk about this later but in my expectations for this movie I was like, everyone's going to hack this 2006 (laughs) version for sure. Because there's so much stuff around, like Chris mentioned, like the overacting of Nicolas Cage and just like the ridiculousness of it all. And it's like a joke. So I was like, man, everyone's going to think that this is the case too. And I was like, everyone's going to hack it. So I'm interested to see how this plays out tonight for sure. Yeah, I was definitely expecting to hack the original. It's a movie I've never heard of from the 70s. So I was just hedging my bets there. Um, more than likely I was going to hate it. Uh, I figured I would enjoy the 2006 version more, but even though I had like vague awareness of the remake, I didn't have any idea what it was about. So I wrote my expectations solely based on the title. Um, so like you have Wicker, which is famously very ugly furniture. That didn't sound good. 
And then you have man, which I was like, eh, fine. I guess we'll, I guess we'll see what this will be. My whole bedroom set was wicker. <laughs> a bedroom set? Oh, that's heinous. I thought it was exclusively outdoor. I think nope. you're just missing the good wicker. There is good and bad wicker <laughs> in the world. I've always, we were never really allowed to have wicker things growing up because my mom was insistent, not only that it was unappealing, but that like bugs would be drawn to it. I could see that. I think you guys are tainted by Florida, in your opinion, <laughs> yeah, wicker. Quite possibly. Actually, the rattan furniture, which is basically wicker in Animal Crossing, is actually very cute. So maybe there is good wicker out there, Ryan. There you go. But yeah, I was also expecting Nicolas Cage and bees for the remake. No idea what capacity that would manifest in, but I knew that was going to happen. Hmm. Okay. Well, th- that's fair. I-, I think I would agree that, especially with Ryan, you know, we watched this together I did not expect anything close to what we actually got. And I, I want to just really paint a picture for you all and drive home what this experience was like for me. I was exhausted. And before we started, I gave her a warning that if I didn't finish and I just fell asleep, that I'd just pick it up tomorrow morning. Don't worry about me. <laughs> but as the movie went on, I found myself largely bewildered by the original. And there was a ton going on that felt really bizarre, really out of place, and generally uncomfortable. A lot of looking at Ryan, like, what the hell's going on here? Uh, is this really what we're experiencing right now? And not necessarily in a bad way. It was just unexpected. And it kept me so engaged the entire time that by the time we finished, I was like, okay, I guess I can start the next one. I think this movie made me not tired, which is bizarre to me. But then I watched a remake today and it just felt bland and boring and not even remotely as funny as i would have hoped given how outrageous people have found it over the years so i found it less funny than people said it was which disappointed me i can echo that chris i really went into the original kind of expecting it to be bad and expecting to be bored um but right off the jump you get some like really beautiful aerial shots of like what i assume is northern scotland and i was like oh this is actually really pretty um and a lot of the visuals kind of were surprising me early on and i was like oh at least this movie looks good i have no idea what the hell's going to happen um and as the movie progressed i still had no idea what the hell was happening um so i was definitely intrigued um i also found myself kind of getting into the mystery of it all um and I was like, okay, well, I don't know where this is going, but I'm looking forward to seeing where it ends. Uh, when it came to the remake, I can agree. I was, It was very familiar because it was not shot for shot, but almost line for line. And it just felt like an updated version. I was a little bit surprised by some of the changes they made, though, as far as like the, the lore and the storytelling. I watched these two a day apart. It's weird that we all kind of had the same thing. Ryan and I mentioned, you know, getting a little sleepy um, on the 2006 version. But it was surprisingly, I mean, now that everyone's talking about it, like, yeah, I guess the first one, like, definitely, like, caught my attention and was interesting enough. Lots of phallic things. Maybe that's what caught my attention. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe I was just like wondering where was this going with all of these um, penis things? Like, <laughs> like which which way are they going to go? Which way are they going to go? If if ever there was an episode for you, this is it. <laughs> exactly. I was. It was a little much actually. <laughs> but yeah, I was getting a lot of vibes from Midsummer, and I was like, yeah, surprised about all the phallic stuff, but. The remake, I was just, you know, feeling, I'm like, yeah, why isn't this as sexual? Uh, <laughs> maybe that's why I didn't keep my attention. I don't know. <laughs> Honestly, though, you might be onto something there because I felt so overwhelmed by the nudity and the way it was done in the original 
Then to go to the remake, well, again, just like you say next day later, I was like, well, we're just going to go to no boobs. We're just going to go from <laughs> some too many to none. You get some. Ryan, what is the perfect number of boobs? I'm just saying it's a horror movie. Okay. <laughs> There's an expectation. But the way it is done in the first is actually overwhelming. And then you get to the remake and you just really, you know, it really is a movie that could put you to sleep, especially when you've just watched two of the, again, not line for line, but two of the very similar movies yeah, and very similar paths that they go down. So it's interesting to be saying one is too much and one is not enough. So I guess I'm Goldilocks here when it comes to boobs and horror movies. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think we can find the the sweet spot for you. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> Many folks agree with you, right? Like Robin Hardy directed the original The Wicker Man. And he part of his take on this movie was strong sexual freedom, uh, connection to nature, independence, just total peace in that regard. And the remake ignored it. And it ignored quite a number of other things, but that's part of why a lot of folks felt like this movie failed at the box office. It ignored half of the identity. And granted, I don't think they could make the same movie identically and it be as good right now. Maybe that's an unpopular opinion. And then one of the other things that surprised me in terms of like things that changed, I can't quite place whether this is like a disappointment in itself but what I found most jarring was the musical component to the original Wicker Man. Oh, yeah. And the songs weren't even bad. Uh, I would say bad. They were bad, for I sure. I would say not good. I don't know, because some of the time I was like, okay. I liked some of the songs. <laughs> like, it's odd. It's all odd. But they weren't bad. I love a good musical, but it's almost as if there wasn't enough to push it in one direction or the other. Like, it wasn't not a musical, but it also wasn't enough... Like spontaneous song and dance to plant it firmly in musical territory for me. Like it wasn't it clearly wasn't Greece, clearly wasn't Rocky Horror Picture Show. You know what I mean? Uh, it's kind of like in the nowhere land. So then for that to just be totally stripped alongside the you know the the sexual freedom in the remake, that was a total surprise for me as well. And some of the things that they changed are for the better. I don't think, again, they could pull off the musical choices that they made in this remake and it'd still be good. I don't want to see Nicolas Cage in a semi-musical. <laughs> and again, this is another disappointment. Like, the original had this really interesting take on religion, and then you totally don't get that. Like, you get, like, maybe one line alluding to that into the remake. So I was very much surprised, like you, Chris, about the musicality of the original. Um, but the biggest surprise of it all was how I didn't hate it. <laughs> I It might be because at the very beginning you have this, like, this um like message like a thank you that's like we wanted to thank the people of this place for sharing their culture and traditions with us or whatever and i was like oh okay what does that mean um so whenever there was like song i viewed it more as like incorporating that as like a storytelling element um because some of the songs like the lyrics were sort of giving you breadcrumbs to follow um and for me it actually kind of worked some of the songs absolutely sucked but a couple of them i was like okay i could see myself like listening to this on an old scratchy record player weeks from now but I was, I think I'm also glad that they didn't attempt to do that again in the remake because I feel like it's something that can only get a pass if it's like some old, weird 70s movie. I think for me, my biggest surprise is just overall the way they treated the change between the original to the remake. I did not expect a line for line. We didn't get one, but at the same time, we did. It's very pre peculiar the way they chose to do this. They changed so many important parts, but then kept 
these specific, I mean, even specific lines and you're like, this doesn't even apply to this movie anymore because that's from the old movie and you changed everything. So why not just come up with a new line for this? And overall, that is the thing that I was just like completely blown away by the the, the choices that they made. Yeah. Knowing what the 2006 version was about and then watching the 1973 version and then watching the 2006 version again. And I know you guys weren't a fan or you guys kind of thought it was very similar, but I didn't get that vibe. But there was like these strange points where I remembered that straight up line from the first one. I was like, oh, wow, interesting. And it was like kind of like taking me back. I'm like, wait, are they? Is this like line for line, scene for scene? I was like, I'm so confused. But it kind of, I like the way they took that source material. Yeah. I think what I don't understand is why make so many changes and then have the exact same like outcomes, you know? Okay, yeah. What's I get, the point I of changing that. anything? Yeah. Uh, an episode or two ago, we talked about like covers of music, right? And like, what's the, like, th- th- that same logic, what would be the point of like doing a new song? I actually didn't mind some of the the performance with the, those original lines because it was given different context and it was given different tone. That being said, I think I would have liked seeing anybody but Nicolas Cage do it. If someone took this exact same script and treatment and it was given to a serious filmmaker with a serious cast and they changed maybe just like a couple things about their approach, I think it'd be a way better movie. I feel like that's definitely true. And Alexis, I'm sure you'll agree with this, uh, but I'm curious to see if anyone else will. But I was super disappointed by the lack of like gore and death and like fear. I gotta agree. I feel like this isn't, these aren't necessarily horror movies. These are kind of (laughs) murder mysteries, almost. I mean, you get some shocking, um, I think it's more of the concept that's kind of shocking and uh, not necessarily gory. But yeah, I I knew the 2006 version really wasn't. So I was like, not expecting that for um, the 73 version. Smart woman. Yeah. I mean, this movie applies fear in the time when it was scary to not be Christian, right? Like, that's like the approach, like, oh, these heathens. (laughs) So you have everything that was swelling around this time, right? I think early 70s. This is like pre-Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So you have these serial killers emerging. You have Vietnam. You have America growing up before your very eyes. And this is still a relative time of innocence in terms of cinema. And this is the time where, like, exploitative films started to really really rise and this isn't exploitation this is mystery intention with a spiritual twist this is just a couple years after rosemary's baby so it's it's horror but it's horror in a different time for a different audience but it's certainly not traditional horror or anything that i think i could ever be afraid of yep i think we're all in agreement on that we touched on this a little bit already but i feel like all of the originality points that i gave to midsommar are now have to de facto go to uh, wicker man the original specifically <laughs> exactly <laughs> to do that kind of like horror movie in broad daylight at that time was even more revolutionary than when i first saw midsummer in theaters decades later so yeah this is definitely getting some originality uh, from me partially because it inspired midsummer uh, it also inspired one of my other favorite movies love witch um stylistically there's a lot of different um like cinematic parallels so this was sort of like uncovering an origin story for things that i'm already aware of yeah, I totally agree with that. I feel like there's a lot of movies now that I've seen this one um, that have influences from other movies. And a lot of these, you know, 
pagan, culty kind of, you know, movies. I'm like, oh, wow, I can see a little bit um, in, I, I'm trying to think of some specifically, but Midsommar is an obvious <laughs> um, example, but even other ones too, I feel like they've got a lot of influence from this movie, which is surprising. So obviously this is original. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, of course you have to give the original the credit that it deserves. I'm I don't think that we saw anything before this that was like this, of course. That movie, uh, the or- the, at least the original Wicker Man, is iconic in its own right. And even though I never saw it, I think it's largely because it just falls out of the realm of horror that I'm into. It just feels very watered down. And I don't think it's any less valid. It's just not something that fills my cup, if you catch my drift. But in terms of originality, I think the remake is an interesting case because they made some decisions I'm not mad at. Like, if they're going to remake this movie, there are things that I'm disappointed they lost. But the overall approach, minus the final product you get on screen, like the decisions they made, the changes they made at the core of the film, I actually think isn't a bad way to remake this movie. The remake didn't feel particularly original, um, partially because we had just watched its source material. Yes. (laughs) But also the original things that it did do felt also familiar. Like, I don't think there's anything I saw in that movie that I'd never seen before. I agree. It felt very familiar, aside from just the content. All right. So, look, maybe you folks don't give any credence to any uh, any approach the remake may have done. But one of the things that the original is most iconic for, and honestly, one of the things that people remember about the remake, is going to be that ending. I think that twist i already knew about it but it definitely comes across in the first one way better in my opinion but um i don't know i i I like the ending um i think the atmosphere um of the ending that the remake builds is a little bit better for me but i don't know i thought for what it was um it even though i had seen this before it still um was surprising so for something that can transfer through time and you know kind of be like saw for me like saw i know what's going on but i forget because there's a lot of bits and pieces and other parts of the movie so i applaud that part i think the ending especially having never seen either and watching the original first i thought the ending was um honestly a great place to take the story i i will say i knew what was coming i knew what the twist was gonna be wow interesting i mean it's obvious, but I told, I told Chris as we were watching, I said, Chris, it's obviously going to be this, right? And she's like, no, nah, well, probably. And then I, I feel like in the remake, when they got to the ending, they were just like, oh, you guys already saw the first one, right? You know what happened? Nah, we'll just give you a little brief bit of it. But it wasn't <laughs> like they, like it didn't have the, the bite that it had in the original. It really just felt like, uh, yeah, they told us we got to do this. So we're going to do this and we're going to use the same words, but you know, no big deal. Yeah. Half of me is like, is it because we just watched it? But I feel like that that's not the reason why though. I feel like it just don't hit the same. Yeah. I don't hit the same. <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> For me, I honestly, after such a long buildup, I needed this movie to end with explosive violence and like a lot of gore for it to be worth it. Um, Ryan, I'm sure I found, I, I figured it out a little bit later than you, but at one point I was like, okay, it's probably this. And then it was, and I was like, okay, well let's watch it and see how much that enjoyment I get from that. And I didn't get a lot. I was kind of underwhelmed. Um, but I have no doubt that like, if I was around in the seventies and I watched this, I'd be telling everybody about it. I'd be like, oh my God, most iconic ending ever. Um, but it's just like been something where I've been so desensitized over the years that like this kind of ending just isn't enough. I need more in both. Mm. I don't disagree in terms of like 
the showmanship of the ending, but I do think that you know some of the last images we see are pretty great. For me, the original's ending was just so unpleasant, it was almost haunting. Like It wasn't explosive violence or anything like that, but it certainly did make me feel uncomfortable. But I think that discomfort is because of how, how hard they went on their religion angle. So it didn't hit the same at all in the remakes ending, and it was just more disappointing. There is a little bit of a, you know, with the difference that they take to the story and, and the formula they use to get there. There's a little like, oh, wow, even this is happening to, to spark this whole thing. Uh, so that was a little bit of a, of a surprise. But overall, I think the original had the better approach to the ending. And then the remake, I was like, oh, finally, so glad to see this happen. Let's wrap this shit up. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but the true question would be how these endings, how these approaches shake out in our scoring. But before we get there, Alexis, what's our body count for each movie? We have a solo one person that dies in the original, but I know, right? (laughs) But uh, we do have four in the remake, so pat it a little bit. Still boo. Yeah, still boo. (laughs) I know. I agree. (laughs) But what about that animal report? Oh, let me tell you. This is 2021. Not been a good year for the animal report. (laughs) I take a week off. I come back. This is what I come here to. The original... Wicker Man has a very, very unfortunate uh, scene with animals. And, you know, usually I'm here talking about the pups and the kitties, but animals are important. And on this island, uh, some bad things do happen to animals, unfortunately. The good news is in 2006, uh, we have a clear animal report, nothing to worry about. All right, then. Well, let's see how these scores shake out. Now, let's start with the original, the 1973, The Wicker Man. Was it a hack or a slash? So... This movie has so few things that interest me. And as a person who is frequently in this podcast talking about boobs, it's amazing to me that one of the things that I dislike about this movie the most is the amount of boob and sex, sexual innuendo and uh, implication in general. But it's it's just so in your face. I'm not down for the cult, the sex cult vibes. It just doesn't doesn't do it for me. And this movie is a lot of that. And then there's another side of this hyper-Christian man showing up onto an island for God only knows why. And I didn't like him either. I didn't like any of the things happening in this movie. I didn't like any of the themes happening in this movie. (laughs) There were some animals that die at the end. You know, it's all... It's all a little bit rough. And honestly, it's just a complete hack for me. This is not the worst movie we've had to watch on this podcast, but this is once again, one of those movies. It's not hard to watch. It's not miserable. It's just not something I enjoyed. And that's my, that's my hack here. Yeah. I was like, is that a hack? That's Uh, a hack. (laughs) (laughs) So funny because sex cults do do it for me. Uh, (laughs) I know. (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. In all seriousness, I think it was a little oversaturated with the sexuality, but I saw that as um, an opportunity to build the themes, which y'all know I don't really pay attention to, but this is two weeks in a row that I've actually paid attention to like a little bit deeper things than uh, surface level and gore stuff. But I think because there was no gore, I had to look at something else. (laughs) So I I do like the themes that are going on and, you know, like you have this um, 
sergeant that's coming in and just, you know, God this and, you know, is, is extremely religious. So it, it's nice to see even when he at the end, he's, you know, proclaiming some things. And I, I just like that balance because, you know, like whoever comes out on top at the end, which we can get into when we come into the spoilers, it's, sh- it's such a striking difference. So I thought that was cool. I'm not a fan of like older movies or like anything because I can't really relate. But when we watched House of Wax, I really enjoyed it. And I think this is something I'm really glad I watched because I definitely um, am appreciating the source material a lot more than I had had I not seen it. So I'm giving this a slash, actually. I kind of could have predicted that. So obviously, I expected this movie to be some bullshit and for me to not like it at all. But I actually really liked it. I am somebody who always enjoys almost every form of paganism in pop culture. Um, so having so many scenes of like just beautiful women in their naked bodies, like dancing in the moonlight around a fire, like I could watch that all day. Get your life, mama. So I was super surprised at how much I enjoyed this. Also visually, it was like so gorgeous. So many shots had beautiful lighting, composition. It was very artfully done. And I feel like so many stills of this would make like beautiful, like wall art. Um, I was obviously, like I said, disappointed in the ending. I wanted more violence and gore and blood. Um, but this is one where the buildup was so enjoyable that the kind of underwhelming ending didn't ruin it for me. Uh, so I'm actually going to slash this in a surprising turn of events. Literally not a surprise. I wouldn't <laughs> put money on that. It surprised me. <laughs> me too. But if you see it now, it's like, oh, this is very much my brand. The second we got naked women, I was like, oh, Paris is going to love this. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> so I struggle with this movie because I think I have a deep and profound respect for its place in history and, and all of the influence that it has had. But again, this kind of vibe really isn't my style of horror. It's not something that I'm particularly into. What I think I I have to consider most is, you know, at the end of the day, like the themes in this movie, did they carry it enough for me to feel positively about it? And really the, the thing that this movie hinges on for me is its themes of religion. And as someone who isn't even remotely religious, I really enjoy this movie's approach to balance and to see how you know, you have characters you know trying to assert their beliefs onto other people and judge other people and what the response is to that. So I feel like the, the things I enjoyed the most about this movie are not even remotely in the horror category, save for maybe one scene. But honestly, the themes alone give it a slash for me. Oh, wow. It's a bizarre experience. It's not one that I'm sure I'll, I'll even watch again. But how about that 2006 version? Was The Wicker Man from 2006 a hacker or a slash? It's weird because I've seen this movie. I've seen it with my family. I've seen it with my stepdad. And I, I really enjoyed it the first few times I've watched it. But I think watching the original and then watching this, just, I mean, I, I try to do it as a standalone, but I, I just can't, honestly. And watching it this time, I was like, uh, yeah, it's just not doing it for me. So I, I wish there was something I could specifically say that was bad. I just didn't like the vibes. Nicolas Cage. Yeah, Nicolas Cage. I knew he was crazy in this, though. But when I saw the detective or the sergeant from the first one, I was like, he was also kind of crazy. So just Nicolas Cage is a tad bit more as freaking weird as the other guy was, but in a different way. So for the visuals, it was just there going from the original to this one. And you have this sort of community that encapsulates these, you know, 
outdoor and like nature sort of vibes it you don't get any of that it's just focusing mostly on the characters and this mystery that's built which i do like but i just wish they had brought that nature element that they had in the original into this and i think it just wasn't like standout performance from anyone except for james franco jk (laughs) (laughs) but um but necessarily nothing like stood out that like made this like a good movie that I would ever want to watch again, even though this is like my third time. But uh, with that, it's getting a hack. <laughs> Interesting. So I, I I will point out some of the things that I think are hard to identify that make this kind of like lackluster. Thank you. Okay. So you go from this beautiful, friendly, loving, friendly, not to strangers, but like this this community feeling of this place that shouldn't exist the way that it does. And uh, even though I didn't like the movie, there is a lot to be uh, intrigued by in that original film. And then you go to this very gray place with a Nicolas Cage and watching him express emotions is like watching a table express emotions. Um, no one believes any of it. It's all real silly. So you get him and then the characters are like, kind of interesting but at the same time i i the matriarchy thing is completely it doesn't hit for me like for me this this whole matriarchy vibe and like we just do whatever we want it just feels like a cheaper version of the original it's like we want to take that but we're afraid to put boobs on screen so let's just do it this way where the girls run the world and it just doesn't do anything for me as a woman like you would think i would enjoy that it and it just it just gets lost there. And they lose some of our interest in the story, in my opinion, by giving us more personal details and personal relations into this community. And so it really just starts to feel like a movie that you don't care about and you already know what's going to happen because they haven't changed enough. Anyway, I'm going on and on. The point is, this is a hack and this is a very, very bland movie, in my opinion. I can't see any reason you would need to watch this. If you want to watch a movie, even though you, you know, I just disagreed with and said I, it's a, it's a hack for me, but you should watch the original. The remake is like an ABC family version of the original, not in content, but in quality. It's just not there. So this one is actually pretty tough for me. I came in to the podcast thinking I was going to go one way, but now that we've talked more about it, I'm a little bit more on the fence. Uh, I actually really enjoyed the matriarchy elements that the remake brought to the story. And I feel like there's some cultural background choices that they made that I enjoyed more than the original. Uh, and I think there's definitely a super cut of both of these movies where you take the best parts of each one and that one actually gets the biggest slash of all. But also Nicolas Cage is truly just like an agent of chaos and towards the end just like really shits all over this movie and anything it tried to do. Like at one point it just gets stupid. And whenever something gets stupid, it really loses me, you know, at least I don't, I don't know what, what could have been different. Um, so it's tough. It also had a lot of women in it that I love, like actresses that I'm big fan of. Um, did Nicolas Cage make this a hack? Uh, yes, I'm not going to recommend anybody watch this, but I will recommend they watch the original. <laughs> Let's just call it hack. Oh my God. Courtesy of Nicolas Cage specifically. Priceless, priceless. <laughs> what a great place to, for you to land. Um, he's actually very proud of his work and has defended this movie several times, which oh, is wow. hilarious to me. Well, this is the the viral thing that I was talking about a few years ago. That video went around that was like Nicolas Cage overacting and like half of the clips are from this movie. So I was like, wow. Yeah, he's like screaming. Yeah. <laughs> so here's the thing. 
this movie is infamous. It has a huge reputation. And a lot of movies, when they're so bad, they can be so good because it becomes funny to laugh at and laugh along with. But I failed to to laugh. And the first bit of overacting that I really, really felt and thought, you know what, that is the first like irrefutable moment that this man is acting ridiculous. He like jumps because someone knocks. But like the way that he's like, ah, <laughs> with his whole body, <laughs> like just throws his hand up in the air, looks more like bothered, but also like he meant to seem surprised. It was just, it was just a 200% on a scale where he should have been at 30%. And that is really dangerous for this movie. I 100% agree, Paris, that there are a lot of things in this that you could like. And I'm not mad at the matriarchal approach of the remake, but I don't like the way it landed. I don't like the fact that it went a little bit too sinister in a lot of places. Because what happens is you also have thinly veiled misogyny in the remake that doesn't sit well. And I think if you took the same script and tweaked just a couple things and had some different talent in there, I think you could get one that doesn't ooze that subtext, right? I think you could do without it. But ultimately... I was looking for some maybe unintentional laughs, and I got zero. Lily Sobieski, I love, and she was probably one of the only shining moments of this movie. Also, there's like one main character that I actually enjoyed, but aside from that, it's it's a hack. I can't, I have no intention of ever watching this again. I wouldn't recommend it to literally anybody, ever. Even you out there listening, this person I've never met listening to this podcast, please don't do yourself the (laughs) disservice of watching this movie. Agreed. And I can't believe I'm here again, stopping us from another Universal slash on the original. It's not for everybody. It's like the third time this year this has happened. I just made my, remember my expectation was everyone's going to hack this because of him. I was almost right. Pretty much right. <laughs> <laughs> and there you have it, folks. Don't watch that remake because it was truly a universal hack although its predecessor was just one vote shy of being a universal slash but hey ryan's here to keep us honest i'm trying so hard and it blows me away every time (laughs) now you can find that original film streaming on amazon prime if you subscribe to their video service Uh, but aside from that check it out join us in the second half and we'll catch up on the ridiculousness that is Nicolas cage see you in a bit This summer, come visit Summer Isle, located in Puget Sound and or somewhere in northern Scotland. Accommodations are kept clean, attractive, and comfortable to allow you to relax and enjoy your stay. During the day, take time to enjoy our state-of-the-art wellness facilities for facials, mud baths, and fertility treatments. At night, unwind with our guest entertainment, including nude moonbathing, fine dining, and our 24-hour communal sex grounds. We're also proud to offer free Wi-Fi and bees. Lots and lots of bees. Come get pagan on your next vacation at Summer Isle. Paid for by Summer Isle for the gods by the women. Welcome back, folks. You are now entering the spoiler zone for The Wicker Man, and both renditions of this film have earned very different fates. The original 1973 Wicker Man was one vote shy of a universal slash, but the 2006 remake, as predicted, was a universal hack. Now, we have a lot to unpack here, a lot of shenanigans by Nicolas Cage, and a lot of religious themes to get to as well. But before we do any of that, Alexis, what's our gore score for both movies? 
for both movies, I can categorize them in the low gore section. Um, you have a few images, but not enough, I think, to make it an- anything other than low. And I know Paris mentioned, like, you wanted more gore at the end. And you th- said that would have been, like, the icing on the cake for you or maybe the cherry on top. Both. Both? Okay, cool. But definitely there was intention, um, at least in the 1973 m- movie. So screenwriter Anthony Schaefer wanted this movie to be a little bit more literate um, than the average horror movie. He specifically wanted a movie with minimum violence and gore. You know, he was tired of seeing these movies that just relied on uh, visceral to be scary so just scary images like you know so the focus of this movie was they were gonna have this abstract concept of um sacrifice which i think that was done very fairly well we get that end scene where it's 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 an obvious sacrifice so i think that he just wanted to play on that sort of um scariness yeah I find it really frustrating that that was such a specific intention in the original. And then in the remake, we get this scene of a girl getting hit by a bus with a really loud noise like five times. And it's like, that is the (laughs) cheapest sense of like scare that we could get. And that's like what they were avoiding in the original. Yeah, exactly. I was just like, oh, just I need a little bit more. But in the 2006 version, um, I don't know. Did anyone see the uh, alternate version somehow? Uh, I saw a scene on YouTube. Yeah, I just saw a scene from the alternate version. Okay, so you may have been somewhat satisfied with the gore because in this alternate cut, uh, the villagers tackle and overpower Edward, viciously breaking his legs to prevent him from escaping and torturing him with these live bees, um, which is, I would like to have seen. I think we saw part of it just now, but... Yeah. It should have been kept in the main cut. Yeah, I think so, too. I don't know. Nicolas Cage screaming, no, not the bees. <laughs> it just, it reminded me when I saw that one YouTube clip. It reminded me of Shrek, the gingerbread man. No, not the gumdrop buttons. <laughs> Do we think they cut it because he was doing the most? I, w- I, I would think so. He probably did the most then. Like <laughs> All the things to cut because he was doing the most, that seems like the least offensive. <laughs> I just, I, during that same scene, in like the, the, the final cut, you hear the audio of some of it. And when he screams, my legs, I just cracked up. I was like, stop it. Oh, just stop, Nicholas. It was the worst. He's just like, my legs, my legs. And we're just like. Got it. They're hurting your legs. Understood. Thank you. I know there is um, kind of a lack of kills between the two. There's only five. Um, so I don't know. I, I kind of want to talk about just any, in general what you guys' thoughts were on those. Um, I know the pilot it wasn't necessarily um, from the 2006 version, wasn't necessarily my favorite, but I do like that I knew he had disappeared. Um, you, you see Nicolas Cage go to the to the plane and it's you know all the contraptions are all messed up and you know someone clearly did not want the communication to get out so i wasn't sure where it was going and when i saw it it was so shocking it was like his fingertips were gone is that what we were looking at and then his lips were like almost laced shut but not quite I, I don't know it was just a very jarring scene to see i feel like he didn't deserve that fate you know yeah. but He'd been doing that. Literally, it was Nicolas Cage who put him in that predicament. No, I feel like it was the people because they had to get him there somehow. I feel like he had to be included. Oh, true. Why did they kill him if he did the thing they wanted him to do? He seemed valuable to them. 
He seemed valuable. No, he's a man. That's probably why. But maybe he just wasn't in on the plan. Oh, no, I don't think he was. But like, couldn't you have just continued keeping him in the dark and having him bring you important goods? Except he saw Nicolas Cage. So it's like a loose end. Oh. I guess. Okay. But now this pilot is a loose end. So. Okay. That makes sense. <laughs> and they just have to get a new pilot now. Poor planning. Yeah. But I will say, I, I think that was like a... It added to the climax in that movie. It was... A, kind of necessary it was an important part of it to add a little bit of gore where we were basically missing from having none and speaking of jarring i think the jar of like body parts was a little bit uh unappealing Uh, i thought you know i know it doesn't impact the gore score necessarily but i still find it gross to see jarred pieces of people the foreskins were terrifying, but the babies, because I was like, oh, is this what they do with the male babies? Also, technically, we saw lots of stabbing of little chocolate dolls. They, a lot of them got, like, sliced. Well, two. <laughs> there yeah, were two slices. <laughs> but they took a specific bite out of one of those chocolate dolls from the crotch. She cut the legs and the belly and ate the crotch, and I was... It was a, a small thing that was very important here. <laughs> there was a lot of violence in this movie, too. You know, you have um, Nicolas Cage punching a, a lot of people. <laughs> that <laughs> Three <was>. women. <laughs> Every time I didn't see it coming. I was like, wow, that's... Did it or did it not feel really fucking weird? Right? Like, I get fighting a colony of people if you like you're in a position to do so but also him just her making one smart ass remark hardly seems deserving of getting knocked the fuck out by nicholas cage he's just decking women out here this whole movie mostly unprovoked i have a favorite not kill from the original and it is the beheading of the hair that was such an exciting scene because it 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 felt like it was going to be real. It felt like she was going to be there. And they were like walking through that. Um, yeah. They said, it, what did they say? It's game of chance. Basically, everybody mm-hmm. has to participate and you had to stick your head in between the oh, swords. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was so, honestly, that was one of my favorite like parts of that movie. And I really did think that was going to be a kill. And it yeah. wasn't. Yeah, it was interesting because I... Even though I had seen the 2006 version watching that, I was like, oh, do they kill Rowan though? Like, what's going on? Imagine they did. It'd be so cool. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Lord, Lord, you know. <laughs> <laughs> if they killed her, it'd be great. Also, what kind of game of chance is that? Did the boys decide that you're the one that they're going to decapitate? I don't know. It's, I think it when the song ends. That's kind of, but you know, oh. who ends the song? Also, I would be great at this. They wouldn't even be able, they have to keep it at the same level. I, I feel like that's fair. <laughs> oh, you're going to use your short <laughs> yeah. advantage? Yes. Yeah, I might duck down. I'm like, oh, I'm a hunchback yes. now. Like, <laughs> I love a good musical decapitation game. It's like musical chairs. <laughs> that scene was for sure really tense, but I just, I cannot tell you how satisfied I am by both deaths uh, and like the endings of each movie. First off, I found the sergeant in the original film to be mm-hmm. so unlikable, just so pompous, so pious. I couldn't fucking stand him. Douchey. I hated his haughty, like, have you not heard of Jesus? <laughs> it's just, come on, dude. Like, clearly these people are not Christian. What are you doing? So I absolutely could not stand his approach to literally anything. So to see him go at the end gave me a, a great sense of fulfillment. And then Nicolas Cage finally going. I do think it's a little fucked up that his daughter lit the fire. Oh, I loved that. Honestly, I I just could not be more satisfied that both of them expired at the end of the movies. I think my beef is that in the original, it felt like 
an eternity of watching the wicker man catch fire. I felt like we were like, I knew it was happening and I just felt like we were just there for so long. Yeah, Just watching was, it in real time. You had to hear his monologue. Yeah. That monologue, it needed to happen. And then we got a duetted monologue <laughs> where they're yelling and chanting one thing and he's yelling and chanting from within the flames. And I'm just like, okay, I think we could be done here. However, a very beautiful sunset. <laughs> True. <laughs> a little golden hour lighting for that fire. So, you know, no big deal. For me, both were just a little underwhelming. I think part of it is because they're burned alive. And I feel like that's such a lame sacrifice. Like almost all sacrifices involve blood. Like give me a blood sacrifice. There's no blood when you burn alive. Plus they say that it like kills all your nerve endings and it's not even that painful after a second. Yeah. Suffocating. No big deal. I like the structure and like the drama and the production value of like going to all this effort to build like a 30 foot wicker man, literally the title (laughs) Q maxing, look at this wicker man. But ultimately, like burning alive is kind of blah for me. Well, two things. While we were watching the movie, I said, they said the thing, they said the thing, they said the thing. Yeah. (laughs) And then also at the end of the original, the wicker man starts to fall while all the people are standing around. So it turns out no one makes it in the first one. We actually (laughs) messed up the gore score. (laughs) I was like, what if they just get like a bad downwind and like a huge chunk comes flying their way? They like show a bit like the head just starting to fall. And I was like, dude, that this is a dangerous situation. Y'all are on a mountainside. Y'all need to run. It was fun that it was filled with animals. Fun? <laughs> can, can we all appreciate, though, that both of these men get there by plane, by air, and yet no one has seen the Wicker Man? So true. They, they're both so shocked at this oh. monstrous construct, and yet they couldn't have seen it coming when they were in the sky. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so you think it had already been built when they got there? I somehow, in my mind, they built it in the 24 hours that passed while he's there. That's what I thought. Oh, no, that... I feel like that takes way longer to build because they also have to orchestrate the cages and everything. You're right. It probably does. Well, I will say in the remake, we do have the guy with the truck full of wood going up the yeah. up the mountain. I assume Ooh. the men ma- constructed it in the remake. Yeah, but not in the course of like a day. There are also very few men. Honestly, wait, isn't that what they do at Burning Man? I know nothing about Burning Man, but don't they actually burn like a giant male effigy this had very much burning man vibes yeah especially because burning man is like very much built on your freedom (laughs) there we go your your ability to do whatever you want to do dance naked around a fire exactly things are absolutely set on fire intentionally do any of us have burning man in our cultural zeitgeist so i also looked up burning man and it says that uh, it has taken six days of 10 to 15 hour work sessions to build Okay, in conclusion, they probably built it lying down and then erected it while he was there. Absolutely. And that was the gore you know. Um, Sadly, we didn't have too much, but um, hopefully next week we will have a lot more gore for you. We learned a lot. Sometimes we hope this and sometimes it just doesn't happen. We just keep getting these non-gory movies on the schedule. But I will say that for as monstrous as that Wicker Man was, I do think it was the coolest looking thing in the film. In addition... To the uh, uh, animal masks that we get. Very pet cemetery. So it's funny. I actually like the animal masks from the remake more because they have a very like, it's weird. The masks from the remake feel like they match the aesthetic from the original movie. Huh. They, they're doing a thing. But for me, it's my favorite visual element is the like flyover views that we have of the girls dancing over the fire. How could you hate on some naked fire jumping, you know, hoping to be impregnated by the flame gods or whatever they called it, you know, (laughs) like 
And then once I realized what they were saying that they're hoping to, I thought it was like a ritual for fertility, not we hope to get pregnant by jumping over the fire. And when I realized that, I was like, oh, okay, this is great. This is great. <laughs> My, uh, was kind of tied into it. So I really like the, uh, Lordship's house. It just, just had all these like little knickknacks and, you know, just all this essentially like, victorian era like decor that i just liked looking so also your homeboys from lord of the rings so i was like okay of course he has all this stuff (laughs) but yeah and then there's a nice shot um out to your favorite scene ryan which i thought was really cool as well but definitely i love the ambiance that this um house had yeah, that ambiance was so good. <laughs> For me, the best visual element from the original just has to go to the use of lighting, especially in a lot of the low light shots. Um, I actually sent this to the group chat, but there's a screenshot I took uh, of like just a naked woman, like hugging and crying a, over a tombstone. And it's shot at night, but it's still so like beautifully lit. Um, and really all the lighting in that like spooky graveyard orgy scene was really nice. I also really loved the kind of like Vaseline on the lens filter that they used during some of the aerial shots that you were mentioning, Ryan, of the girls dancing around the fire. Um, I felt like it really added um, just a quality to it that enhanced the the ambiance that they were creating in this culture on this island. So I feel like visually this is really just the blueprint for Midsommar. And I think in a lot of ways, this movie did some things better. Yeah, the original is just so nice to look at, like from start to finish. And it has such like a natural feeling. And I think it matches what they were trying to do with the movie. And I have to say in the remake, I felt like they took every artistic bit of visual element away and were like, let's make it orange and boring. And and I don't have a visual element that I enjoyed in the remake. Oh, you didn't like Sister Summer Isle's um, Braveheart rendition at the end? Because that was my favorite visual. (laughs) Her hair was my favorite visual element, okay? Her hair was good. The hair in both of these movies was actually solid. (laughs) That was definitely my favorite, though. Love the, you know, gold and blue on the side. Definitely was getting Braveheart vibes, Mm -hmm. for sure. You know what really stood out to me visually? And by really stood out to me, I mean it looked really fucking ridiculous. Every letter... Every piece of handwriting on that island in the remake is the most excessive dramatic calligraphy and it is not realistic. Like, honestly, if someone sent me that shit, I'd be like, oh, clearly someone looked up that I had a girlfriend once who left me and just, you know, typed up this letter and printed it on some thick cardstock. <laughs> this is so unreadable. <laughs> Truly. Just say you hated it, Paris. Be honest. No, I didn't. The remake visually, I loved how many beautiful women we got to enjoy in this especially when we have sister summer's isle uh in her like glowing white bed scene i was like i don't know what purpose this serves but work i also really liked the hexagonal design of the apiary and i feel like everything related to that would like looked really good they got some good like uh overhead shots from there even on the ground i liked the way the they designed like the beekeeping costumes to give you kind of like um plague doctor vibes mm. uh, so i feel like those were some really solid stylistic choices would you like to know why that is <gasps> No. Yes. Of course. <laughs> it's because if anyone listens to or watches videos by CGB Grey on uh, YouTube, it's because hexagons are the bestagons. <laughs> <laughs> and they're the most efficient shape. Oh, I my god! I should that was coming. <laughs> I did not know where we were going. She uses this joke once a week, and I still didn't see it coming. <laughs> <laughs> hexagons are the bestagons. I will drop a link into the show notes. It's actually mind-blowing. But no, 
I, I do appreciate the hexagonal design because it's a very big nod to Queen Bee. Mm-hmm. While we're talking about visuals, did anybody get vibes when we saw the Lord of Summer Isle in the original in his like May Day, like ladyboy geesh with the long wig? Did anybody think he kind of reminded them of Jonathan Van Ness from The New Queer Eye? I don't watch Queer Eye. You know your audience. Damn it. <laughs> Someone at home is like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Oh my gosh. He was definitely giving me um, House of a Thousand Corpses, um, the brother that's in it with the hair. (laughs) That's the vibes I was getting. If it's the guy that I'm thinking of from Queer Eye who has really long hair, then I would say yes, Paris. But I just don't watch enough Queer Eye to know with 100% confidence that's who you're talking about. It absolutely is. Because they had the same wig. Oh, okay. Well, great. (laughs) And they were giving you like a gender fluid vibe. Glad we had this journey together. Just taking in everything that you said about this visually, Paris, I want to go back to what you said about that woman in the graveyard, hugging the tombstone, the headstone, just crying and naked. And I I think that's just a shining moment of how that whole movie is filled with a ton of memorable scenes, right? You have the classic music stopping as soon as a stranger walks into the bar. I think his, his weird almost seduced horny virgin energy when he's doing his nighttime prayers and is all of a sudden banging against the wall like sweating that was really bizarre and uncomfortable but then to see him walk in on the public sex in that sex orgy i just feel like i've never seen a movie full of so many moments where i'm just like what's happening here yes back to back no less it almost was unrelenting Yeah, it's crazy. Like, I know um, Paris talked about that cemetery scene, the uh, cemetery orgy, matter of fact. Um, I kind of like that um, scene, you know, or they go later on to he goes to explore and look for um, a body and they're going through these like headstones. And my favorite scene was that because I was reading the headstones and like one of them says protected against ejaculation of serpents. And I said, (laughs) yes, yes. I don't know. It's just interesting. I just, I kind of like the scenes like in the cemetery, especially that one to like read all of those things and see how freaking ridiculous. this is. I just want to know what that means. There were many little like nuggets. Like even I'm pretty confident that what they erased, like on the chalkboard was like interesting like everything in this movie was very intentional in the original specifically one of them was like the hag stone protects us from the weird world or something like that and i was like what is that lore i wish i had read what he like before he erased it i also wish i had a hag stone (laughs) i do need protection from the weird world that's for sure (laughs) i think i pretty much already mentioned my favorite scene from the original which is that like march and then through the it's all like very serious and very choreographed as they're marching down and then they go through the swords which is like the end of that part of the ceremony and then afterwards they you know after the hair is beheaded theoretically and then they like rip off their outfits and go and like they're just like down to the beach for their party you know like everything's totally chill like it's all very specific very intentional and then they're like all right time to party on the beach and i enjoyed that a lot it was it was one of the things that i did care about these people doing because most of the rest of it i was like y'all are just trolling everyone (laughs) in the remake i don't i i mean i really don't want to be this like negative person on the podcast but i really don't have a favorite scene i cannot think of anything i enjoyed in this except for when nicholas cage finally dies and the movie's over i have one because i thought it was hilarious okay tell us it's when he's running away with rowan and then answers the phone call it doesn't work so he's like all right come on let's go and then literally one second later he's like 
Rowan, honey, slow down. <laughs> yeah. He, <laughs> and it's just, tired. Rowan, slow down, honey. And like his voiceover carries as they transition to the next shot. And I'm like, what the fuck is this, man? You took two steps and you want her to slow down? She's right next to you. Yeah. And he like kept saying it. And I was like, okay, we get it. She's running fast and you, you don't do much cardio, Nicolas Cage. You can't <laughs> keep up, you know. <laughs> One of my favorite scenes from the remake, and I just think because it's kind of scene for scene, was when he goes into the um, school. And, you know, I just like seeing that, you know, different play. Like there wasn't um, a bug in the desk. It was a like crow or something. Um, but I do like that. Um, I don't know. Maybe I just wanted to hear like um, a teacher talk about like phallic objects. I don't know. And why, <laughs> you know, a pole, why it's called something. You know what I mean? <laughs> See, that was one of those freaking cheap jump scares again was the crow jumping out of the desk and i was just like come on like give me something besides just a loud noise because we just kept getting a car crash and a and animals making loud noises <laughs> and it's a jump scare that nicholas cage does not know how to react to it's as if they're on set saying all right loud noise and then he's like <laughs> oh there's a good moment when they finally leave that uh, that little classroom, Alexis, and they go outside, and he's eventually asking, like, what happened to her? She's like, she's gonna burn to death. And he's like, what'd you say? She said, precisely what I meant to say. She burned to death. I don't know. I loved Sister Rose's uh, energy in that scene. She seems like a really sharp-witted, doesn't-take-no-bullshit-from-anyone kind of person, and honestly, you know, I, I think some of the women were the best part of that remake. I think they're the only thing kind of keeping it together in any semblance. I totally agree. But see, Chris, to like go, not that I disagree with you there, but then if you think about the teacher from the original and he's like, is she in the church churchyard cemetery? And she says, no, she's not. And he's like, where else is she? And she's like, the building connected to the ground with graves in front of it is not what we call a church. I'm like, okay, so yes, in the churchyard cemetery. Okay, very, very precise language. We get it. You know, and I absolutely love that. And I, and when I remember that moment when we were watching it, that was hilarious. And I do love her from the original. I just feel like that character in the remake is one of the only shining spots in that whole movie. It's like the only compliment I can give. I see. I see. I have to, I have to agree with you. That and Sister Summer's Isle, that, that was the only two characters that I could even give like a little bit of care about in the remake. Yeah, Sister Summer's Isle giving her like backstory about the culture um, and where it's kind of revealed that they made some changes to the lore. That was actually my favorite scene of the remake, just because I, I was like, oh, okay, I'm a little bit down with this philosophy. You know, let the women make the choices, let them run the world, see how it goes. I think the boys have had plenty of time to show that they're not doing a great job so i would honestly give this a good a good try i'm sorry you would give this a try this community a good try uh absolutely yes oh, from the nice. remake yeah honestly that have they don't you're not they don't care about you you're getting your That's fine it's not about cut me. out it's about the community no paris here's the thing though it's too far to an extreme you said the same thing about the fucking foundation i did i'm ready take me because what what we have happening now is not working all things in balance the best quote from this whole movie, right, is, no, we love our men. We're just not subservient to them. But it's that message taken to an extreme, and it turns them into villains, which is not cool either and not how you should demonstrate a matriarchal society. That's all I'm saying. 
I agree. The men weren't enslaved. They literally were. They They literally were (laughs) were out hunting at the end of the movie. (laughs) This matriarchy, the style of matriarchy does not support women's growth. It defeats the whole approach of a matriarchy because it makes them villains. Exactly. It makes them do bad things. We're out hunting men. They were not villainous in my eyes at all. I was like, yes, queens, go. (laughs) (laughs) Because you are man. (laughs) And dark-sided. But I gotta say, my favorite scene from the original was when Willow is just naked in her bed, casting that spell and singing that song. When it first started, I was like, what the hell is happening? Because it was like the third or second song. And I was like, what is this? But then it kept going and it was like a full song and like dance sequence. And she's like going outside of his room on like every wall and like banging on it while she's like casting this like sexy little incantation. Mm -hmm. And apparently there was some drama behind the filming of that scene. This intel comes courtesy of Chris and her powerful research. But basically, the actress, Britt Eklund, who played Willow, she was pregnant at the time and she didn't want to do like full nude scenes, like showing booty and everything. So she only did like the waist up scenes. So she definitely showed boob, which I think good for her. She had great boobs. But they used a body double secretly when she was done filming and they like filmed all these extra scenes to make it look like she was fully nude. Um, and she was really mad about this because partially she didn't want people to see like her actual butt she literally said i didn't want to show my bottom but i shot myself in the foot they put the ugliest biggest bottom in the world mine was much smaller and much nicer i recently found out it was a stripper from glasgow oh my god can i say (laughs) what a 70s thing to say about butts because that butt was great that was a great butt Uh it had good shape i thought it was a good butt too (laughs) it was a good butt but back in the day that is not the type of butt that white women were going for okay (laughs) Apparently also this stripper from Glasgow was supposed to like be in and out and like quick and then back to her life. But they found out like two weeks later that she was like still hanging out on set, having a good time with the crew. Uh, Totally. Okay. She's a stripper. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. What are you saying? (laughs) I want to hear from her. I want to see that movie. This is part of her culture. So mine from like the remake, I mean, individually would have to be, I like how they brought in Willow and I know they needed a vehicle to get Nicolas Cage over. Um, but I like how they use that instead. Um, and then, you know, it gave a little bit more depth to, um, his character and hers. Um, especially since she kind of looks like she's sad at the end for it. So, you know, I'm just like, mm, but are you like, I don't know. Um, Lord Summerisle from the <laughs> original, um, Love the style, loved him, loved him as a character for some odd reason. Loved his little get up looking like Prince. <laughs> it's such a stark difference watching this movie because I knew the twist going in. And watching the original first, I wasn't getting any of those clues that are so blatantly obvious when you watch newer movies that they're like, oh, they stop, they look another way. I mean, they look suspicious. The cast or the community and the original didn't give any clues of anything. So I really thought, I mean, they were playing the part all very well and nothing looked suspicious. But, you know, when you go to the remake, it was like, oh, no. Uh, uh, uh. And they're like uh, tapping uh. around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we never heard of it. It was like some Scooby Doo. It just reminded me of Scooby Doo a lot. No, that's totally fair. Man, okay. So that just reminds me, there's one moment that I really loved. And it's part of like, I just liked. Lily Sobieski in her portrayal of this when he's having breakfast he's like why store bar aren't you famous for your honey she's like I don't know I just give what I'm given if you don't like it 
take it up with someone else. And I just like, <laughs> I felt that so much. Clearly, she's not the one who manifests the fucking honey here. She's just tending <laughs> to this pub. Honestly, Nicolas Cage had a lot to say to a lot of people about what they were doing. <laughs> they, they, he really did. It's like, like, why aren't your shoes black? I'm like, bro, chill. I think since we're talking about characters, I want to mention an animal fact, which I don't always have interesting animal facts. But since we have a notable animal report, I felt like, you know, we can throw this in. So there are two conflicting stories about how the end of the original Wicker Man went. And so Britt Eklund says some animals may have perished inside the burning Wicker Man. Oh, my God. The same woman who didn't want her butt shown. Yes. And I got to say, she seems a little crazy. She's spilling all the tea. So the important thing here is that the director, Robin Hardy, says that there were not animals inside the Wicker Man when it was set on fire and it was all fake and nobody got hurt. Well, no animals got hurt. Um, So it's weird to have that kind of like back and forth. Like, why is, the, why is there even a concern? Why is it a question? There should be no fire and animals anywhere near each other. But... It is interesting that uh, a crazy actress from the 70s might not know what she's talking about. Or she's spilling the tea. Also Rod Stewart's girlfriend. What? Not surprising. That's so random. Yeah, he was like very insistent on trying to not get this movie released because of her being naked in it. And of course, that's Rod Stewart's place to decide. (laughs) So she actually was a really interesting piece of the original. I do think I prefer her Willows to the more modern Willow, even though I do like the connection of like... Yeah, her summoning her ex-fiance to the island and there being more of a reason for it. I did appreciate that. But I think in terms of characters for me, Lord Summer Isle, the amazing Christopher Lee, yes, from Lord of the Rings, but also Count Dooku. Also, Willy Wonka's daddy in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Great guy, terrific stuff. (laughs) He is undoubtedly the best part and the best character in that movie. I loved the humor And also how stoic he was when delivering certain lines. And I absolutely love that back and forth when Sergeant Howie's upset that these girls are jumping naked over the fire. He's like, of course, it's much too dangerous to jump over a fire with your clothes on. Like, duh. (laughs) So true. Yeah. And then, yeah, Sergeant Howie's again talking to him about Jesus and and, and Christ. And uh, Lord Summer Isle says, himself the son of a virgin and pregnated, I believe, by a ghost it just like he had a response for literally everything and i just love this like tit for tat not being super disrespectful but also feels like he's going as aggressively as sergeant howie without you know taking a little bit too far i know it sounds weird he's charismatic probably not the kind of person that you should like in this movie but i think his performance was the best and i actually love how committed he was he did this movie for free oh and for the press tour, he paid out of his own pocket so he could talk about this movie with anyone who would interview him about it. Oh, wow. That's fun. I would like to note the comedy from, like, the troll comedy from the characters on the island in the original. Absolutely worth it. And and those jokes did hit. Like, <laughs> when they would say stuff, you just, like, sit there for a second and then you're like, oh, that was hilarious, but it takes a moment, you know? I totally agree. And I feel like a lot of those moments came from some of my favorite characters, obviously Willow, um, but also the teacher and like the clerk in the original were both just like very much not having this man's bullshit and being like, well, this is the way we do things. You will need to get permission from somebody to access these documents. Um, So I like that they were being cheeky and also protective of the process. Yeah. 
Also, uh, they're absolutely right. You do need a fucking search warrant to do anything. Like, what are you yeah. doing? <laughs> I loved in the remake when Sister Beach was like, California business? Because this is Washington. <laughs> we are out of your jurisdiction, Nicolas Cage. I would like to note, this is not important, but I am looking through Nicolas Cage and his filmography. One, he was a part of Joe Exotic his whole jam which is seems very weird um two he's been on one billion different things and three i don't enjoy a single thing he's ever been in <laughs> not even national treasure you I, know alexa said the same thing yeah i don't even know if i've ever you, seen it what it's like the epitome of like a kids movie that they're on a like a it's the only time history's ever been interesting to me yeah <laughs> i don't I think National Treasure came out when I was like, what, like 14 or so? I can't remember exactly how old I was, but... 2004. I don't know that I could actually enjoy it if I watched it again. Like, I can't tell you with certainty that he was actually good in it. I think I saw it, and I think I have it existing somewhere, parts in my brain, but everything else is like face-off Con Air, next Ghost Rider. Uh, I did see Gone in 60 Seconds. But there's just so much bad stuff here. And there's some, if you watch some old videos of uh, Nicolas Cage, he's got like a completely different look and he loses it, of course, in another movie. And I actually just want to watch some of his old stuff. Yeah, it's interesting because I'm looking because I was like, there is a movie he is in that I've been wanting to see so bad. Um, And it's Mandy, which is a horror movie. So I was like interested. Has anyone seen that one? No. I haven't, but I've heard great things about it. Yeah, same. So, you know, he's probably screaming in that one, hopefully. I feel like he could play a good killer because he is so deranged. 90% Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, so I think the remake has a 14% of this movie. (laughs) I would like to agree with the Rotten Tomatoes 14%. (laughs) I enjoyed that almost all of the characters were recast as women in the remake. That's a fair assessment. Because just like Lord Summer Isle was the best part of the 1973 one for me, I think Sister Summer's Isle was the best part of the 2006 remake. And the worst part of the 1973 version is going to be just Sergeant Howie's approach to life. Super big, not fan. So I know you guys like the singing. Um, I That was the worst part about the original, in my opinion. And you have this like creepy, all these like creepy men in this bar talking about how they're all trying to get with the bartender, like the innkeeper's daughter. I was like... This is not right at all. That was odd. I think the thing is, that's part of what they're doing. Like, they're doing it on purpose. They're like... She did back that ass up on that big gross guy. That's what I'm saying. She was she was a part of it. One, I don't know that they were... That was actually his daughter. But if it was, that's like a... That's a part of what they were doing. And I don't know... I don't know if it was only a joke for him or if that's just like how they are. But it was gross. But then when you like realize is so forward that it had to be a troll and then you start to pick up on all the other trolls and it wasn't so bad but in the moment it felt real gross well that was the worst part for me but like i don't know it felt gross i didn't get that part like i i just didn't and then it you know a few scenes later or a scene um later then she's singing in a bathtub and i was like oh my goodness like it was just too much and i was like and i wasn't sure if this was a musical but if there's one song just one in a movie, it it constituted it constitutes a musical for me, and I do not like musicals at all, at all. <laughs> I have to agree. A horror musical is something I did not ever need ever. Wow! Wait until we get to the Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> I don't want it. It's different. Alexis, you actually just reminded me of the scene where 
in the original, the cop is like going through literally everybody's house and opening every single door looking for the child. And he just like opens the door and sees like Willow in the tub, like just posed there provocatively. Who's she was just like, oops, you caught me. And then he just like walks out and leaves. That was a beautiful shot. Um, Finally. (laughs) Yeah. But the worst part of the original, I think definitely that bar scene was really rough and I'm somebody who enjoyed the music elements. Um, but also the ending was super underwhelming, which I've said, and just the overall cop character as a protagonist in both movies, really, I just found him to be so unlikable. And the whole time throughout each one, I was rooting for everybody else on this island except him. Yeah, I particularly hated when we get, and I've kind of already said this, but Nicolas Cage just keep seeing the girl get hit by a car everywhere he goes, and no additional information is given in one of those dreams like he dreams about that girl and daydreams about that girl like five six seven times every yeah. single one is it the same nothing to do with the movie <laughs> nothing like to nothing do with anything other than maybe giving his character a little bit of a backstory that's no. not even a story equality it's a little bit of guilt a lot of bit of guilt and a little bit of uh, emotional unavailability hmm. oh we, we fully know understood that. the guilt when he was like not going back to work taking a pill like <laughs> saying please don't i don't need visitors we got the guilt like the first daydream we did not need to see it so many times and he just kept dreaming about this girl and we were just like nobody cares wait <laughs> did they hammer out that detail be- so he would they could say at the end he was the ultimate sacrifice i don't know is that what they were trying to build on his character because i'm sure they couldn't just get some rant well i guess they were getting random dudes at the end but well he's tied to them because he's the father of yeah and that's why i think that the end they said that like this is the greatest sacrifice like that we could give because they had to give one because the year previous there Mm -hmm. was no crop there were no crops yeah so that's the way i took it as i'm like oh wow this guy has a lot of grief a lot of baggage and now we're gonna bring it up and now he's gonna know this is his daughter and it's gonna be like him dying is just gonna be like not for them the worst thing, but for him the worst thing because he's like, "My, this is still my daughter." Yeah, even though she led you right to it. Mommy. I still don't think we needed the daydream. Oh no, no, no. <laughs> I, I don't think we needed it at all because essentially that was me going very far out of my way to connect the two. <laughs> you know, I don't think they're connected at all. I think the only connection there is that he, because he has this guilt, he was very committed to the idea of helping another little girl that he couldn't save. I just, that for me, like every time they showed it. And also I was watching with headphones on and it was like real chill audio volume and then a car crash every two minutes. And I was like, (laughs) cool. I don't need to hear anything ever again. Thank you. Truly the absurdity of a truck passing through on a ferry to run over a little girl several times. And then when he remembers it the first few times, he's remembering it as the memory of him on the ferry instead of just remembering the initial car accident in the first place. And then one time the girl is just not there and turns into bees and you're like, (laughs) okay, like, what does it mean? Honestly, I think the better thing that he could have remembered was maybe perhaps, you know, the car exploding as he's reaching for her hand through the glass. That might have made a little bit more sense. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, the damage that probably did. My favorite part of I'd have to dig and it would be the element that they have. I feel like you got a little bit more mystery per se, because there was, you know, you get this strung out, like detailed explanation of this community and you get, you know, Willow who's tied to Nicolas Cage and all this sort of stuff. So I like that um, part of it. It seemed a little bit more um, 
but that was the only thing. I mean, nothing was like so great in this that was worth a uh, best part. Yeah. I struggle with that too with the original. I think I can say one of my best parts is when they finally reveal that he's the sacrifice and they come running out of the cave and then they're like, hey, friend, thanks for coming here. We're really glad you made it because we were waiting for you. That was like satisfying because I saw it coming and I was um, interested to see how they would handle it. And it was just, you know, Rowan running up and like, did I do it right? It was a little uh, cute, creepy moment. But was that cute, creepy moment enough to make you ever watch it again? Mm, Truly never. I would watch the original again, especially with somebody who has not seen it before. Um, Specifically, I have a friend who I texted about this movie to see if they have seen it because it's definitely right up their alley. Um, But I will not be watching the remake. Uh, I will maybe watch the YouTube video with all the compilations of Nicolas Cage being ridiculous and punching people in the face. Um, But that's about it. Yeah, it's interesting because this... Uh, remake I had watched a few times but I think now watching the original source material like I previously mentioned it, it kind of ruined it for me now so now I would definitely watch the original but I'm not giving the remake any time or energy or space in my life thank god I can uh, I can tell you that I will be watching the original one more time and one time only and that is to have my girlfriend watch it with me and I'm never looking at Nicolas Cage in a bear costume punching women again Not even in the compilation video. I'll watch the video of the bees. No, not the bees that did not make it to the theatrical cut. (laughs) But I have no intention of watching this full movie ever again. Well, regardless of whether or not we'd watch either of these movies again, let's see how they fare when compared to each other. Which movie do you feel had the better visuals? OG. Original. Original. I'm going to say original as well. It was way prettier. The white balance was far superior. What about the better story? I'll also go original. I feel like the remake, honestly, because they tied it in a little bit more with Willow. Um, I liked the culture changes that they made. Yeah, I'm definitely going with a remake for this one. I'm backing up, Brian, on the original. I like a lot of the changes from the remake, but I want to see them done better before i ever say it supersedes the original and uh, i will also say that i do prefer the performances at large in the original and that is the same for me for sure oh weird i feel like if you like put your hand up and block nicholas cage out everyone else give a really great performance in the movie so i'm gonna give it to the remake well there we have it folks the original 1973 version of the wicker man has just squeaked by as being vastly superior in every way with the exception of a couple little elements uh, regarding the story and the performances excluding Nicolas Cage uh, that Paris would prefer whether or not you watch both is entirely up to you now we've talked about a lot here obviously the original wicker man was one vote shy of a universal slash and the remake got a universal hack but the conversation doesn't end here there's so much more to both of these movies I know that Festive horror is a subgenre that we don't get to dig too deeply into besides this and perhaps Midsommar, but let us know what you think. We want to know where you stand on these. Are you one of the ones who brought the remake to cult fame because of Nicolas Cage and his unintentional humor? Now, keep in mind there are a number of ways you can reach out to us, starting with our website, hackerslash.com, and on our social media accounts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And if you have an interesting Burning Man story or any Burning Man experience, we'd love to hear from you at our Hackerslash hotline. You can leave us a voicemail at 757-606-0128 or visit hackerslash.com slash contact to send us an audio message. And also, if you're in a cult, you can send us an email to feedback at hackerslash.com if they're okay with that kind of thing. 
And if you've enjoyed listening to this episode, you should definitely consider becoming one of our patrons. You can visit patreon.com slash hacker slash to earn cool perks for as low as $1 a month. We'll see you next time, folks. And remember, don't respond to mysterious handwritten letters from your exes after they run away. (laughs) Bye.